The MarTech Podcast is a proud member of the I Hear Everything Podcast Network. Looking to launch or scale your podcast? I Hear Everything delivers podcast production, growth, and monetization solutions that transform your words into profit. Ready to give your brand a voice? Then visit IHearEverything.com. From advertising to software as a service to data, Across all of our programs and clients, we've seen a 55 to 65% open rate. Getting brands authentically integrated into content performs better than TV advertising. Typical lifespan of an article is about 24 to 36 hours. If we're reaching out to the right person with the right message and a clear call to action, then it's just a matter of timing. Welcome to the MarTech Podcast, a Ben J. Shap LLC production. In this podcast, you'll hear the stories of world-class marketers that use technology to drive business results and achieve career success. We'll unearth the real-world experiences of some of the brightest minds in the marketing and technology space so you can learn the tools, tips, and tricks they've learned along the way. Now here's the host of the MarTech Podcast, Benjamin Shapiro. Welcome to the MarTech Podcast. Today, we're going to discuss the overlap between social media, influencers, and marketing agencies. Joining us is Meg Harwowski, who is the founder and CEO of Obviously, which is the fastest growing marketing agency in the tech platform. They specialize in working with influencers and some of the largest tech brands in the world. So far this week, May and I have talked about why social media and influencer marketing are important channels. Yesterday, we talked about the business of being an influencer. And today, we're going to talk about May's tips for bootstrapping an agency to be an eight-figure business. All right, here's the last part of my conversation with May Karwowski, founder and CEO of Obviously. May, welcome back to the MarTech Podcast. Thanks, Ben. Glad to have you back here. We've covered a lot of ground so far talking about why brands are looking to influencers to help build reach, affinity, and to sell products. And also yesterday, we talked about what was in it for the influencers and a little bit about how to monetize an influencer business. I want to talk to you today about the business that you're in, which is being the intermediate between the brands and the influencers. You've grown, obviously, to be a multi-million dollar revenue business Talk to me about your story. How'd you get into this business and how have you been so successful? So I was a social media manager at a large agency and I was running these Facebook pages. They're really like, I think Instagram just started. It's kind of like how old that was. And the brands were spending millions of dollars trying to add fans and likes to their Facebook pages. Organic social, it used to be called. Exactly. And so I ran the Real Housewives Facebook pages, which was hilarious. (laughs) And Ugg Boots and their Coke Zero's Twitter account. I had to be funny and sarcastic as like a frat boy. Anyway, it was like early days. It was different time. Wait, wait, Coke Zero's for frat boys? Yeah, I think they're really working on like the persona. Because that way you had less calories when you're mixing it with your Jack Daniels? Yeah, honestly, I think that was some of the thinking there. Got it. (laughs) And it's just like, wow, there's clearly so much here. There's a real community of people. People were just loving the fact that a brand would like tweet out random things and actually have an identity. And people were really raising their hand to say like, oh, I love that brand. I want to follow that brand. That looks cool. So that was kind of percolating in my head. And then I went to Guild Group and saw there they have a membership community as opposed to just a customer base. I was like, okay, this is really interesting. And I started managing social there. 
And then so many people at the company were leaving to create really cool startups. And I was running and creating social strategies for them. It's like, oh, there's a real opportunity to work with influencers. It wasn't even a term yet, but it was like bloggers who had 5,000, 10,000 followers on Instagram or on Twitter. If I could send them product, get them to feel really special and that the brand thinks that they're a VIP, we could probably get them to start talking about these brands. And so from there, I launched, obviously, I brought on my CTO and co-founder, Max Domain, and we built out this tech platform that really made it easy to work at scale with influencers. So kind of from the beginning, we're like, let's work with people who are smaller, but who are just so genuinely excited to talk to this brand and learn more about this brand. The interesting thing to me about your story is also what's happened in the social media community where the focus used to be the brands building their own assets, like I said, organic social. And then it became something that was blogger outreach. And now we actually have influencer programs. And it's less about trying to grow your own platform and more working with the people that have their reach. Built into that is that brands are no longer as focused on trying to get their own likes, build their own following. Talk to me about the dynamics of managing the relationships with brands and influencers. I'm just curious to know the dynamics and how are you able to add so much value to both parties? It's so interesting to really work both sides of the fence because rather than a fence, there was a pretty big gap between the way most brands and brand marketers think about their marketing channels and how to launch a campaign and what the results are and what they want to get done. On one hand, they're used to, you know, you want to do a photo shoot, you go out and you hire a photographer, they set up a photo shoot, they hire models and they get it done and you're delivered the assets you asked for on a specific timeline under a contract. So they're in business frame of mind. Then you have influencers over here, some of the largest, most successful influencers they just started this thing on a whim because they love knitting or because they love makeup. Because they love marketing and technology. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And they're in the frame of mind. I'm creative. I'm creating something for my audience to love. And I'm putting something out there into the universe. And you might have a creative brief over here, brand, but like I'm here doing my thing for my audience. So we really want to, and we really are bridging the gap between the two groups to make sure that one, the influencer is doing something that their audience loves. Otherwise it's not going to perform and it's going to fall really flat and no one's going to be happy, but also that the influencer is creating content that the brand can really find value in and that they're really getting their key messages across in a trackable way. So we're really that little bridge in between the two sides. So you've also crossed the chasm in terms of, you know, going from a little startup agency, a, a boutique to a sizable business. Talk to me a little bit about some of the hurdles that you've overcome that have enabled you to scale your business to multiple millions of dollars in revenue. I've just loved the process of building the company. And I think that's really important as an entrepreneur to just know and be so fueled by like, oh, this growth is cool. And every six months, the company looks different and our challenges are different. And that's really exciting to try to solve that. I think when it was about, we got to between like three and 4 million in revenue a year. I was like, a lot of this is coming from my network of people I know. I love my team, but like if I gave them another contract, I don't think we could handle it. So it was really kind of, okay, how do we actually build this structure? So it's super sustainable. And so it's less about people that are in May's network. <laughs> that was a really key point. And we really had to actually rework a lot of things to get to a structure where everything can function really, really well. And we have a great place where people want to grow and can advance quickly. Time for a one minute break to hear from our presenting sponsor, Mutinex. 
1919, John Wanamaker said, half the money I spend on advertising is wasted. I just don't know which half. Well, the advertising landscape has changed since then. And instead of reaching your audience on two channels, you're probably reaching them on 20. Turns out John didn't know how easy he had it. But that doesn't mean that you should give up on striving towards marketing effectiveness. No matter how complex your marketing strategy is, Mutinex Growth OX is the market mix modeling platform that measures the impact of marketing on your bottom line. Mutinex's market mix modeling platform calibrates your insights against the latest market conditions so you can make media and marketing investment decisions confidently and quickly. Ready to take your team from I think to I know? Then join brands like Samsung, ING, and Asahi who make better marketing decisions with Mutinex. Mutinex Growth OX, your best decision starts here. To learn more about Mutinex, go to mutinex.co. That's M-U-T-I-N-E-X dot co. Okay, here's the rest of today's interview. A special thanks to our presenting sponsor, Mutinex. Ready to take your team from I think to I know? Then join brands like Samsung, ING, and Asahi who make better marketing decisions with Mutinex. Mutinex Growth OX, the marketing mixed modeling platform that makes measuring ROI fast, easy, and cost-effective. Request a demo at mutinex.co. That's M-U-T-I-N-E-X dot co. So tell me a little bit about the business model of being an intermediary between brands and influencers. I think of a sports agent as a metaphor here where there's sort of a fixed rate for a contract, but you're doing this at bulk. How does the actual business work for your agency? Since the space is so new, there definitely are a lot of different business models. One business model is that talent manager or sports agent model where they're taking 20% off the top of anything that they're negotiating for their influencer client. We knew we didn't want to go that way because we fundamentally believe that working at scale with the right niche influencers is the way that's going to get you the real results as a brand. And we really wanted to align to the brand's budgets because we really need to know like what's working for them in order to grow our business. If they're not successful, I'm not going to be able to double in size. <laughs> so, Also, your incentive is to charge as much as you possibly can if you're taking a percentage. Right. And that might not be the right thing for the brand. You know, it's like you work with an influencer and you pay $25,000 to work with them and you find out that someone else is paying $2,000. And that's an actual example of rates we've negotiated. You don't feel so great after that interaction when you're on the brand side. So it is really important that we're not misaligned with what brand's goals are. Because if brands are successful in the space, and there are a lot of ways to not be successful in influencer marketing, if a brand is successful and they're our client, they're going to keep spending and they're going to keep growing. So we keep growing. So I'm going to ask the question again. Talk to me about what your business model is. <laughs> yeah, I didn't actually answer it. <laughs> you're not taking a percentage of, or you're not upcharging for what the influencer is getting paid for. How do those relationships work? So we either work on a retainer or a project basis with our brand clients and they're paying to access our platform. So they have access to our database of influencers, every influencer they've ever worked with, all the content that's ever been created on their behalf. And then we manage every aspect of their work with all of their influencers, which is really attractive for a brand who wants to work with 200, 2000 influencers. It's a lot of communication 
it's a lot of herding cats, really, really creative cats, but herding cats when you're working with 2000 people. Really creative cats, which means that they're probably not all that organized. Yep. So like we have to keep them really focused and that also we can do some really, really ambitious things. We will actually make sure influencers take a lift to a given concert that they get backstage, that they get to meet, you know, a musician that they're taking photos and videos along the way. That's hard to do when you're a marketing team of five or 10 on the brand side. So give me an example of a relationship that you think is interesting or you're proud of. So we were working with this one brand. They're a large beauty brand. And this was about four years ago. And they loved the idea of scale, right? And we're like, okay, cool. We have a brand that's really bought into our thesis of working at scale with micro influencers. But, you know, when they came back and they were negotiating, they were like, we really can only work with like 25 influencers when we thought it was more going to be around 300. And we're in their office walking out to the elevator. And I walk by this woman's desk and it's just piled with beauty products. And I was like, is this everything that's going out to the influencers? And she was like, yeah. And I was like, is this why you don't want to work with 500 people? And she's like, well, yeah, I've been here till like 10 p.m. every night, just boxing up every single thing. I really don't think I can handle working with more than 25 people. Like I got to get home at some point. So with that insight, we actually were like, oh, we should have a fulfillment center. Like we should just do all this work for this brand. If she doesn't have to do that work herself, she's going to work with 500 or 1,000 influencers or by the end of that year, 10,000 influencers, just with that small insight that this was like the thing that was holding them back from really achieving the scale that they wanted to achieve. So as you think about the trajectory of the influencer business, and obviously your agency is related to that. I'm assuming it's all up and to the right at this point. Influencer marketing seems like it's growing quickly. How do you think about the growth of the influencer industry? Have we reached peak influence or are we just getting started? I really think we're just getting started. You have beauty, you have retail, you have lifestyle. These industries have been doing it now for several years and seeing real results. And we're now seeing these industries that are you know, typically more the, you know, the average on the bell curve. So we now have insurance companies that are our clients, finance companies, apps, mental health companies, things that really stayed away in the beginning. And they're really seeing the benefits too. So I really think it's only going to grow. And especially as we start working with smaller and smaller influencers and really honing in on who is working well for each brand and who's really ROI positive at the end of the day. May, tell me about the customers that you work with. Who are the people that you're looking to get in touch with and how can they reach out to you? Yeah, definitely. So we love working with any brand that really wants to build strong connections with influencers who love their company. We primarily work with the brand team or the e-commerce team or the PR team since influencer marketing can kind of float and many different people can wear that hat in a lot of companies. And you can get in touch with me through email at may at obvious.ly or also check me out on LinkedIn. That's May Karbowski. And how about for the influencers? Is there a path for influencers to get on your radar? Definitely. We're always looking for new, awesome, interesting influencers. You don't have to be that big to start working with us as well. You just go to obvious.ly and sign up. I want to be an influencer. Obvious.ly. I want to be an influencer. I'm headed there right now. (laughs) May, appreciate you being our guest. Thanks for coming on the show and talking to us about the industry of influence. Yeah, thanks so much. All right. And that wraps up this episode of the MarTech Podcast. Thanks to May Karwowski, founder and CEO of Obviously, for joining us. If you'd like to get in touch with May, you can click on the link to her LinkedIn profile in our show notes. You can contact her on Twitter. Her handle is MayWow, M-A-E-W-O-W, or you could visit her company's website, which is Obviously. 
O-B-V-I-O-U-S dot L-Y. Just one more link in our show notes I'd like to tell you about. If you didn't have a chance to take notes while you were listening to this podcast, head over to martechpod.com where we have summaries of all of our episodes and contact information for our guests. You can also subscribe to our once a week newsletter. You can even send us your topic suggestions or your marketing questions, which we'll answer live on our show. Of course, you can always reach out on social media. Our handle is martechpod on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, or you can contact me directly. My handle is benjshap, B-E-N-J-S-H-A-P. And if you haven't subscribed yet and you want a daily stream of marketing and technology knowledge in your podcast feed, we're going to publish an episode every day this year. So hit the subscribe button in your podcast app and we'll be back in your feed tomorrow morning. All right, that's it for today. But until next time, my advice is to just focus on keeping your customers happy. Thanks for listening to the MarTech Podcast, and I hear everything production. Looking to launch or scale a podcast like this one for your brand? Then visit IHearEverything.com.